Welcome to The Atypical Leader with Rick Brennan, where we talk about harnessing what makes you unique and maybe even a little odd, while at the same time dismantling the notion that you have to be a certain type of person or act a certain way to be an effective leader. Definitely a leader, not a follower. I like the sound of this. It's time for us atypical leaders to come out of the shadows and learn to be proud and confident in what makes us different. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of who I am. A typical leader starts Good morning, now. Judy. Good morning, Rick. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you know, I've... Uh... Just come out of the kitchen. Out of the kitchen? Yeah. Like, yeah are you barefoot? Are you barefoot? <laughs> barefoot and pregnant, <laughs> yeah. No. I, uh, I just made a batch of muffins. Uh, imagine, muffins. imagine I'm cooking muffins. Jeez. Oh, I know you cook muffins. You cook the best muffins in the world. I know. And I they're crave those they're, muffins. They're gluten-free and dairy-free. I know. And everything I know, free. I can't imagine it. I know. But they have blueberries and chocolate in them. They Yum. do. And all and love, and Judy. And lots of love. Oh, yes. And, and lots of love, of oh, course. Oh, my God. I'm uh, going to throw up now. All right. So what did you think of our conversation last week with uh, Carlos? I thought it was amazing. I thought he is such a brilliant man. He's mesmerizing to listen to. I could have just kept on going. We're I, lucky I that he's you, back this week to finish you, off our conversation. Are, yeah. So that's great. You know, yeah, there yeah. was so much to cover he, last week. We just couldn't do it all. You know, he must have been a treat to work with, though, as a coach. No, he was. He was very, very good. And, you know, the thing about him is that it was all very practical. And that's right. what I really yeah, needed. No. I mean, it's great to give me a bunch of theory, but then I don't know what to do with it. So everything translated to, okay, here's the concept. Now what are we going to do with it? Yeah, I like how he talked about the gut, the heart, all the instincts that we've been told for so long that don't take a part in making decisions. I know, eh? Oh, well, I got to be yeah. logical and tough. And tough and no, it's not personal. This is business. That's There's one of the no biggest emotion. lies in the world. There's a couple <laughs> oh, other that we won't get into here, but that's, yeah. <laughs> that's one of the biggest ones right there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I, I found it really interesting that 20, only 20% is logical. The rest is all, base, is all basic instinct. And but I when you think about amazing. it, when you really think about it, take away everything everyone's told us. It mm -hmm. makes total sense. It's, it's, it's really, I bet you most people are listening to that going, yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me. Today, we're going to get into some good stuff, too. Yeah, what are we getting? What, what are we looking well, at? Well, we're going to talk about how the brain loves to make mistakes. That's okay. what, you know, it fires up the neurons and chemical reactions and all that stuff. And it's really how the brain learns, especially when it's in a safe environment. So if you're right. in a positive kind of team where you're allowed to make mistakes, the brain gets cooking. And then multiply that by everybody on the team. You can see how effective teams are so successful. Right, right. And, and you know, this, the amazing thing, too, on that is that we've been told that you can't make mistakes. I, I mean, my work environment was totally different than your work environment. We were told, you know, we were yelled at for making mistakes. And so, you know, it, you know as they say, it rolls down the hill. So everybody was afraid to make mistakes. Yeah, but we I didn't know, have that. I know that our, my environment, in many cases, because it created a lot of strong, independent type of teams. But sure, I lived in that, too, where there's always some, some guy, some executive, you know, trying to pressure you to do that. But that's where all my atypical traits came in and stubbornness right. and aggressiveness and like, fuck you. And then yeah. we just go behind the scenes and do the stuff that we knew that worked. Anyway. Well, 
we did. We got to that point too. We, uh, you yeah. know, I was pretty good at bullshitting. Okay, anyway. so we're going to talk about that. And you know what, Judy? Today what? I'm going to ask you a question. Not going to. Okay. I'm not going to ask you there. We're going to wait till the things that. But I'll give you a little heads up. It's going to ask you about cavemen. Do you know? You know, cavemen. 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 Yeah. You probably dated yeah. a few. I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't mean that way. <laughs> I, I don't mean. Oh no, no. I know. I mean. I meant. I meant knuckle draggers. Not. Not. Not that they're. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Oh, sorry. Well, oh, no, let me get that there. foot out of my mouth. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I know absolutely nothing about cavemen. Just to tell. You. Well, anyway, you've been warned. We're going to ask you. So get your hat okay. on. And you know another thing we're going to talk about? What's that? We're going to go back and talk about the reptilian brain. Right, right. Which I love. What did you say, 500 million years old? Well, it's so we're as talking, old as man is. And it's really why man survived, right? Yeah. Protecting ourselves. You know, with the dinosaurs and all that right. stuff. Right. You don't want to get so, eaten, you better be... Even now, if you're walking down the street and you see a big dog and, and your, your, your reptilian yeah, brain sure. goes, warning, 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 yeah, yeah. dangerous, dangerous. Everything else in your brain, particularly your logic shuts down and you either flee fight or you freeze so if we come up with a new and creative concept you know the typical mm -hmm. executive that reptilian brain kind of kicks in on them and they say oh my god no no this is danger to me this is dangerous yeah. to me. i have to reject yeah. that for sure for exactly sure. Yeah. yeah saying all yes, that sir. we should yes, probably sir. get to the second part of our interview with carlos where he's going to continue okay. the conversation on your favorite subject the reptilian brain Okay, so let's get to it. Let's bring another concept of the reptilian brain, because I think the reptilian brain is very important and so powerful still. Uh, Judy, remember, the reptilian brain is with us for 500 million years. Right. Yeah. Very old. Right. right. And is, is in charge of survival. So it's the only one that we trust, by so the way. the fight and uh, flee and fight, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's fight, flight, or freeze. And we, we know that we are still alive because that brain was uh, activated all the time. Right. And now it's not exactly like that. But what I'm trying to say is we trust that brain a lot. That brain has a rule, has many rules. But one of them is whatever is different than me, looks different than me, behaves different than me, is potentially danger because I don't consider it part of my tribe. Oh, oh my buck. That is that is yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, right on. I get yeah. yeah that I makes that. total sense yeah, to me. Me too. Then then this is about what well, is coming now about diversity means AAA, stop there. Because it's different than you doesn't mean it's danger or is potentially danger. Right. So we want to keep the characteristic of, that's why one of the things that shocked me when I came to Toronto, I know you know is the most diverse city in the world. It sure is. It is, yes. 65, I think the number is, I don't want to be wrong, 65% didn't born in Canada. That will have the consequences that I personally expect. When you're used to, to live in an environment where many people are different, in that moment, being different is the normality. Yes, and I've experienced that for sure, because when I, mo I moved to Toronto from Moncton, you know, besides the French and English, basically everybody in Moncton at the time looked the same, had the same cultural okay. background. When I moved to Toronto, let me tell you, it was it was something else. It's just and and you know what? It, it's so many cultures and so much going on that very quickly it became the norm to me. 
Exactly. Rick, when you came to Toronto, your reptilian brain was hyperactivated due to so many differences. The good news is that reptilian brain can be trained. So now that you've gone back 500 million years, Carlos, you at last mm-hmm. time we had talked, you talked to me about the caveman. Why aren't we still cavemen? And I, I thought it was such a, it was such a neat explanation that I think we should ask Judy that question. Okay. So Judy. Yeah. Why do you think that we're no longer cavemen? Like what happened? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I've never really thought about it, to be honest with you. We evolved. I don't, not sure. Of course, Judy, I'm, we I'm kind of stuck on this one. But how did we evolve? Exactly. Um, thanks to whom we yes, evolved. Right. And we evolved thanks to people that were not okay with the situation. We evolved thanks to people that were not average. We evolved thanks to the atypical brains because they were the they were the one able to think okay this is not exactly okay let's try something different but to try something different it means that you're not accepting the status quo exactly and to do that and to do that you're you need to be neurodiverse right on and and you know a way i've explained it to people because the way you explained it to me was you know you got society you know or the 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 middle of society is doing and on the side there's this guy in a cave by himself whittling out this wheel and everybody everybody in the in the big cave is going what's that that's that fool doing in this other (laughs) cave here whittling out that circle what the hell are we going to do with that or and then there's another guy another weird guy over there rubbing two stones together who creates fire and everybody's criticizing him. And I think as you explained to me, as we go through the evolution of society, it's always been the neurodiverse atypicals who have come up with the weird and wonderful ideas that has pushed society forward. Absolutely. There's no other way. But it's crazy to think of. Okay, so why do we all get pushed to the middle? I mean, if, if all the success and innovations happens on the side, why does everybody forever try to push you to the middle? Because the reptilian brain is very powerful. I always try to push you to feel that you're average, then you're safe. Oh, okay. So other people are threatened by it. And when you were, Rick, when you were saying about, yeah, one guy invented the wheel, but I'm sure that that guy was killed. Was killed. And maybe another one started again, and then another started again. I mean, whatever was different, and even today somehow, is not exactly well received. No, it certainly isn't. It certainly isn't. But you would think over such a long, you know, millions and millions of years we've been here, or hundreds of thousands of years as society has evolved, that that we'd get that. And you'd think we'd almost cherish those neurodiverse because they are the people who have moved society forward. But I guess that reptilian brain is just so strong in the middle it just won't recognize that. Absolutely. Well, that's a very interesting concept. It is. Thank you, Carlos. Now I know no, why. No, my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to so, get back I mean- to... I want to get back to your book. There are three other concepts we'd like to ask you about. I think you've done a good job explaining the five brains because I found it very, very interesting. And yet uh, society and business are still trying to push us into the same box. I just, it it, it baffles me, you know, but we have just kind of gone through all of that. Yeah. So, okay. So I have a question from the book and I, one that I can really relate to because it, it was sort of. And it's, it, you talk about when your environment feels safe, the brain works differently. And I got to tell you, can I relate to that? Because, I, I mean, there's so much time, you know, like on, and my examples of working with my team in the retail banner group and working with my executive group. When I felt comfortable 
trust. I felt like people around me I could trust that they respected me. That we're all heading in the same direction. It's almost like something in my brain would fire differently, and I would Absolutely. calm down. I would become so creative and so capable. But when I would go to those other type of meetings where, you know, you, you got to watch your back. You never know what someone's going to say or do. And I just wasn't as quick. I just wasn't as smart. And it, I always thought, like, what the hell? What happens to me? But you really explained that well. So maybe you can just take it from there and explain the science behind that. The science, yeah, that is just a very simple inf- piece of information that was missing. When the brain activates the reptilian brain, survival response, the brain deactivates the rational brain. They cannot be activated at the same time. So if my reptilian brain is in charge, then I will be in survival mode. I will try to protect myself and I will see if I can fight, flight or freeze. But my rational brain, the one that is giving me the feeling of feeling safe, the one that will give me the possibility to find good ideas and new ideas and make it happen, is absolutely Close, shut off. There's no working. That's why another thing in this company's organization of bullies, when they are dealing, one of the common comments I always do to bullies, I say, listen, because they are they, they, they are not aware of the gap between their intent, their intention, and the impact on others. And then I tell them, Are you okay working with the 50% of the brain of your people? And of course they 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 ask what I'm talking about. Because when you behave in such an aggressive way, all your people are in survival mode. Means reptilian brain activated, rational brain deactivated. So stop demanding to bring new ideas, to feel okay, because it can. That's very interesting. Can I jump in there? Because I just think of, of again, why when I say I felt comfortable and relaxed with my team, my goal was to make sure they felt comfortable and relaxed with me. And it Mm -hmm. speaks to what we were able to accomplish. When other divisions were struggling to get things done, we were just rocketing ahead. And I think it's exactly what you, everybody felt safe and comfortable sort of at their full potential. And that made all the difference in the world. Exactly. So a psychological safe environment, that's what you're talking about, creates a climate in the team where people are totally comfortable saying and telling about their mistakes bringing ideas that not necessarily will be a breakthrough, just ideas, and supporting and helping each other when things are not going well. If we are in a psychological danger environment, it's exactly the opposite. It's about, it's about, it's not me or was not me. It's about blaming others. It's about about, uh, hitting mistakes under the table because I don't want to feel that I make a mistake because I will be punished. So it's a completely different picture. I don't know if that helps. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that's amazing. That I, There's I'm, science behind what yeah, we're saying, Judy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just sitting back thinking of the days, you know, when I was working and running things, I'm just thinking, boy, that sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. Had, they had a lot of reptiles, <laughs> yeah. eh? Yeah. A lot of reptiles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. the other question I'd have, uh, Carlos, is that when I would go to the CET meeting, I would, you know, I yeah. mean, not that I, I, I didn't sit in the corner with a crayon, but I mean, I mean, I didn't function at the same level level as it did with my team but i must say other people in that meeting seemed to function just great it was like their environment for some reason exactly. that was their thing what they, i say <laughs> they felt that they, they they felt they were establishing the rules not you right you were the outsider you felt as an outsider and they made you feel as an outsider 
there's no way to feel okay in that environment in your place. Okay. They they were I I I perfectly remember one meeting with them. So I, I perfectly know what you're talking about. And I was trying to introduce a concept because something was not working well. And the concept was, my question was why that was not working well. There was no way to get there. There was a wall, but the wall was built supporting each other. They were supporting each other to build the wall against accepting or recognizing, acknowledging that something was not correct. Why? Because they were playing the same game. And Rick, you were playing different game. And that's interesting because I and you're right, their game was to support their ambitions and where they wanted to go. And my game was more to support my team. So we thought about it very differently. I okay, I will I don't know. I will do a nuance there because I think that they also want to support the team, but what they consider normal was creating their attitude, whatever was not, filling the or checking the boxes that they consider as normal then there was no way to feel okay in that place. Right, right. I get that. I don't no. know if I'm... Yeah, no, I get okay. that. It's okay, I'm yeah. explaining myself. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Okay, so listen, I have I have one more question. And okay. again, I thought, I thought it was... And I read this and went, wow, I, I love this because there's no doubt that this is the way I've learned. And when you talk about how the brain loves to make mistakes, with my sort of all my atypical tendencies and limitations, I mean, it was mistake after mistake for a long time. Not that I didn't grow and I didn't accomplish things, but mistakes were just a way of life that I, I, I accepted as normal to me. The proof is in the pudding because I learned from those mistakes. My brain evolved. My brain figured out how to get around things. So your thoughts on what that? Is my thoughts on that is the brain has a mechanism. At the moment we make a mistake, the brain will release a hormone. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter the name, dopamine. Dopamine will turn on the center of learning in the brain. So the natural reaction of the brain is making mistakes will activate the center of learning, learning because wants to learn how to do it right. That is the normal mechanism. Okay. And will create more connections in the brain. Everything that I am saying can happen only with one condition. If I feel safe in that place. Okay, so those if two I, concepts we're talking about are very much connected. Absolutely. So the natural or the yeah, the natural spontaneous, let's say, reaction of the brain is mistakes means learning, just just by default. And learning means more connections in my brain, better better done. So my brain grows in a positive way. But all those things I'm explaining right now only can happen if I feel safe. Let me ask you this question then. What if, because I know many people like this who feel they've never made a mistake. So are you saying I'm that sure. they're not learning at the same capacity or as often as somebody like me who just knows I'm always making them? Maybe there are people that think they never make mistakes, but this is this is to be in denial. This is not humor. Yeah, but my point is that if I never think I made a mistake, then my that dopamine is not kicking in and all that process Absolutely. is not taking place, right? There's, there's, there's no way to learn. Absolutely. Right. Okay. And then you have this, like you said, uh, situations where you don't feel safe. And it's the mm-hmm. worst thing you can do is make a mistake because someone's going to call you on it. Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I Absolutely. find that more the way it is than not. That the, mm-hmm. When I was at work, yeah, working, yeah. I mean, yeah. we were petrified to make a mistake at times because we knew we'd get the phone call and be yelled at. Well, that gets all to do with the leadership, yeah. right? The people you were reporting to, to right? Yeah. 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 Well, Carlos, man. You're smart. 
<laughs> no. Smart. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. See? Well, no. Oh my God, it's so. Nice I should to be have the smart. I should be the smartest one in this room with all the mistakes I've made. <laughs> <laughs> I, wow, I remember one, one, one saying of someone. I remember who that say. I learned so much from my mistakes that I need to keep making mistakes. Yeah. yeah. No. For sure. For yeah, sure. Smart person. But I really, we really do appreciate you coming on to talk to us and hope we can do this again. Because I know Judy and I are looking at ourselves going, yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. That, that that fits into exactly what we're talking it, about. It, it and, does, yeah. And, and I learned a lot by reading your book. I'm actually going to give it to oh, my daughter thanks. to read. Speaking Love of it. which, where can we pick up the book? Like, where is it being sold? It's everywhere. Everywhere? <laughs> everywhere. Amazon, Indigo, Canada, everywhere. Oh, the book is everywhere. Okay. Oh, that's wonderful. So um, I'd like to say thank you, as Rick does. Oh, of course. And uh, it's been a great conversation. We've learned uh, a lot about neurodiversity and atypicals, but also I love this five brain concept. The whole reptilian yeah. brain. And yeah, stuff. yeah, it just makes so much sense to me, Carlo. So I love it. Thanks, thanks a lot. I mean, it makes me happy really to hear from you, Judy, those comments. Yeah, so uh, I know it's late in Prague. So <laughs> you go have yourself a little nightcap and go to bed. Get your rest. Yeah. You know, Judy, I think I'm going to go have myself a drink as well. I think I might too. Just a little nightcap to end that off. That well, was a lot of thinking. <laughs> a lot of thinking. I got to tell you a lot of good stuff. I'm really glad that it backs up what we're saying about the power of atypicals and neuroscience, uh, neurodiversity, pardon me, yeah. uh, that it's seeded in science. I know, I, I, get the I know. Words right. No, yeah, no, your words you know. are perfect. Your words are right on. No, it's crazy to yeah. think that we all get pushed to the middle, yet when you think about it, and as, as Carlos explained, that all the great advancements in human history have been made from the edges, which have been right. made from right. people who think differently, who look at the world differently, who are not happy are with creative. the status quo, or very creative. Yeah. And yeah. guess what? They're all atypicals and neurodiverse. But everybody they tries are. to make us normal or, or push us to the middle because that reptilian brain says, I don't like the things that things I don't know, I don't like. And we'll pretend the guy, these these smart people on the side don't know what they're talking about. Well, yeah, a little, little wacko over in the corner. Yeah, but now we know, <laughs> you know it's just total I, bullshit. It's called numbers, like Carlos explained that, you know, there is more of the, of the typicals than the atypicals. Statistics. And it's so, just statistics. So that's why we're on the outside and they're But they're that's the job the that we have to do in this podcast is it empower, to let people understand that their atypicalness, oh, that may be a new word, Ooh. atypicalness and neurodiversity <laughs> is a wonderful thing. And it's a, it, it gives you that power and in many ways an advantage over the typical thinker. We just keep getting convinced that it's not normal. Well, it is normal. It is. It just, you know, I think back on my life. I think back on the things you've told me about your life. And it just frustrates me that, uh, you know, we were we were taught and told and pushed and shoved to fit into that middle box. Well, why? now we know. Why is that so important? Right. So now we know. So now we have to empower ourselves. And now we have to take the bull by the horns. Now, let That's me put right. it in perspective. You know, okay. not everyone's going to invent fire or create the wheel or... The theory of relativity. That is not no. what this is about. No. But each one of us, atypicals and neurodiverse, live outside the box. We're tremendously created and have tremendous talents. And we'll create or do whatever we do. The thing is right. to own who you are, to go, go with what you got, to turn those pauses about you into what you're focused on, and forget about all that shit you can't do. 
Well, exactly. And, and you'll, you'll live a better life for it, really. Right. So go out and do her. But let's put that into perspective, which just happens to be the subject of next week's podcast. We'll be looking at perspective from many different angles because we want to make sure you're balancing owning who you are with self-awareness and good old common sense. So with so that, do it. is that the end of this podcast? I think so. I okay. think we've done a really good job. It was wonderful talking to Carlos. We learned a lot. So I think it's time we go and have our cocktail. So until our next podcast, own who you are. For more information, please visit our website, atypicalleader.com.